Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash River, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're finally here. We've reached that point. We have. This is one of the first films I really thought about when we first started this podcast. And it's taken a while. This is one of the first films here. This is one of the first films I think about every time I start the day. Duh. Just uh, you know. Thanked, thanked, thanked life that I didn't have to watch it <laughs> until today. Until today. <laughs> we are talking about the holy grail of pop stars do film. We're yeah. talking about Glitter. Glitter. From 2001. Yes. So we've covered... A few, haven't we? Yes. Spice, um, World, Spice World. CS Club C and Double from Justin to Kelly. Crossroads. Crossroads. Um, yeah. Yeah. We haven't touched Madonna yet. I, but I think Madonna deserves a, a an entire season. Month. Yeah, an entire month dedicated to her. But in terms of pop stars do terrible films... This one is the one that's eluded us so far. Yeah, so directed by Von D. Curtis Hall, the director of Gridlocked, Redemption, the Stan Tukey Williams story, Waist Deep, Abducted, the the Carlina White story, Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart, Ah. Faith Under Fire, and episodes of ER, Gossip Girl, Boston Legal, etc., etc., what was uh, what was his excuse? If you've directed episodes of Gossip Girl, how the fuck did you get something like this so wrong? Well, Gossip Girl would have come after this. So, learn his lesson, maybe? Maybe. Was this <laughs> debut? No, no. No? No? This is well into his career. And if you look on IMDb, it looks really odd in his filmography. It really stands out. It's a really strange choice. Made on a budget of $22 million, and uh, <laughs> worldwide... It made $5.2 million. Oh, no. <laughs> There's a reason for that, though, isn't there, apparently, to Mariah Carey? We'll get to that shortly. I'm sure we've had worse than that, though, haven't we? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. But, actually, no, no, we'll get to it now, actually. So, starting off the trivia in style. Um, Mariah Carey's in this, for anyone who doesn't know. Yes. Uh, this is Mariah Carey's film. Released an album alongside it. You know, classic move, what we've noticed with all these films. In an interview in 2010, Mariah Carey stated that she believes the film's failure with the critical and box office uh, reception yeah. was due to the soundtrack being released on September 11th, 2001. Of course, the date of 9-11, the yeah. date of the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center. Word for word, her exact quote was, here's the thing that a lot of people don't know. That movie was released on September 11, 2001. That's bullshit. Um, could there be a worse day for a movie to come out? I don't even know that many people even saw the movie. Hun. 9-11's nothing to do with why people hated this fucking film. A terrorist attack is not a tr- a, an absolute tragedy. You know, a, a real sad moment in history is not the reason that this film failed. No. <laughs> well, it was... Wasn't it pushed back three weeks? It was weeks? pushed back. Yeah, but the thing is, she said it, the film was released on that date, yeah. but it was It was the soundtrack that was released on that date. I mean, you could maybe... Because bad films have done well at the box office in the past, 
And Mariah Carey was a huge star in yeah. 2001. Still is to this day. But during the 90s, Mariah Carey, probably more in America than here, but here as well in the UK, was a huge star. Yeah. You know, her songs were number one for weeks on end. You know, One Fine Day, it was uh, One Sweet Day, excuse me. One Sweet Day was number one in America for 10 plus weeks. You know, she was a huge star. So this film should have done well. Yeah. Yes, the soundtrack came out on 9-11. Yeah, you know, real tragedy. I can understand why people weren't running to the shops to buy Mariah Carey's newest album on that day. The film was then pushed back three weeks. Yeah? Yeah. Now, unfortunately, the film is set in New York. And unfortunately as well, does feature the World Trade Center Towers. Um, but not expressly it's in sort of establishing shots yeah so really they could have actually gotten rid of those shots which is one thing you know oh it, they could have done was actually get like cut those it, if they've got three that. weeks they could have cut those shots it genuinely would have been a better film about those manic new york shots oh yeah well yeah um but that doesn't stop the fact that this is a really bad yes film. you know being released around that time i'm sure other films were released around that time that people went to see well, well, yeah. You know, I mean, it it kind of it it was an absolute tragedy, but I don't think it, everything stopped yeah, running for weird, weeks on end. If this was a good film, it could have actually been a nice little bit of escapism well, yeah. for people. But it's not, and that's why it fucking failed. But it is a dismal film, really awful. For her to say critical and box office failure yeah. is because of 9 11. No. So, so what? So she's saying critics are in a bad mood because 9 11 happened and they it's gave her film a shit review? No. no. And that's such a terrible, terrible. Is quote to make it's in real bad taste. It is. It is in bad taste. I think she's trying to defend the film, but really going about it wrong. But then it's bizarre because in um, in my next bit of trivia, in an interview with Watch What Happens Live, she said that she regrets making the film. So make your mind up. One minute you're defending it, next minute you regret it. Yeah, well, I'm assuming she defended it at the time. No. Oh. No, there was a year between the two quotes. Oh, okay. So she quickly oh, changed her mind. That's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she'd got a career back. Uh, this was almost a career killer for her, because the album didn't do well. Well, get this. The release wasn't even postponed because of 9-11. It was postponed for three weeks because Mariah Carey was hospitalised as a result of an emotional and physical breakdown. So I don't know why she's out there saying about 9-11. Oh, dear. It's fucking bizarre. Um, But yeah, so she didn't have the best time after making it herself. No. Um, So I understand the regretting making the film quote more than I do the 9-11 one. Um, But yeah, so it wasn't great for her. Um, She is not the best... In, in a classic horror culture, I should have a quote, um, beautiful girl can't act. No, uh, And also, you know, gay icon, as Chris said, you know, massive star. She's She's got it all, apart from acting skills. It's, yeah, so what we see repeatedly in these kind of films is that these singers can perform on stage wonderful performers wonderful singers and 
the whoever it is, the label, the movie producers, whoever it is behind uh, behind the scenes, thinks that that can translate to acting. And it can't. It really can't. And what they do is they throw them in the deep end and give them a lead role. This is where they go wrong. When you've seen singers, you know, become film stars, what really happens... And my my biggest example of this is Jennifer Hudson. Mm. Jennifer Hudson in Dreamgirls is phenomenal because it plays to her strengths... Mm -hmm. And it's not the main role. She's not the lead. Yeah. Because she's not an actress. No. She can emote through song and does that really well. So it plays to her strengths. But she's also not forced to lead a film when she is not a trained actress. You see it repeatedly. You know, Britney Spears in Crossroads is forced to lead a film (laughs) when she's not an actress. Yeah. And it really sticks out here Mm -hmm. for Mariah Carey. Unfortunately for Mariah Carey as well, in Glitter, these songs are fucking abysmal. Yeah. Even they don't play to her strengths. Yeah. Because it don't work. No. I've also, sadly, um, back in the day, not for my own choice, uh, I've also seen her in a really bad Adam Sandler comedy, um, You Don't Mess With Zohan or something like that. Yeah. Tiny role, fucking jarring how bad she is. Like, she... This is. I think Mariah Carey is just a bad actress. I don't. That's think it not what true. Wrong. You haven't seen, and and I have seen it, and I was skeptical because okay. everyone was saying, "Oh, she does really well. She does really well in it." Precious. Oh, she. I didn't know she was in that. In Precious, she is really, really good ah. in a very small role. So she just got a bit of Jennifer Lopez about her then. Like, Potentially. Got better as... Uh, got better as she, she went, went along. along. Yeah. And people watch. There's a scene with her and Monique. And Monique is fantastic mm-hmm. in Precious. But Mariah more than holds her own in that scene. She mm-hmm. really does. Um, she plays uh, one of the um, social workers that has a scene with mm-hmm. Monique um, when she's trying to get Precious back. Um, and she does a really good job. But in a small role, yeah. <laughs> you know, here she's thrust into lead actress yeah. territory with absolutely no acting background whatsoever. It yeah. don't work. It don't work. And it never has. And it never will. It really, it really doesn't work. Well, this is all her idea. Can you name any, sorry, can you name any singer that has gone on to a lead Film role. Yeah. Jennifer has... Lopez. Hustlers. No, no. Well, she's a supporting actress in her Would she, Was she? She was, yeah. She was I mean, she found, actress. like, the lead. I, no. I mean, from a singer and their first role. I mean, Jennifer Lopez was an actress as well. Yeah. Um, before, way before Hustlers. And she was an actress before she was a singer, I think. Um, but you think of a singer... Who has been thrust into a lead role straight away and has done a, a great job. Now, Lady Gaga had already worked on TV a lot. She was in American mm. Horror Story. So she'd sort of done some acting. Yeah. Very different. But she'd done some acting before A Star Is Born. And she mm. was very good in A Star Is Born. But I cannot think... If anyone no. can think of one, there, there probably is one or two where this has occurred... 
Whitney? Whitney and the Bodyguard? I haven't seen the Bodyguard. It's... The reception it's had over yeah. the years is kind of... Yeah. Kind of leads me to think could maybe... Be, could be Whitney. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting um, to, to look into. Joe in S Club 7. Uh, scene double. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe in Aquamarine. <laughs> uh, if anyone can think of any, please let us know. That'd be really interesting. But off the top of my head, I can't really think of any because it don't work. Well, the acting thing was actually all Mariah Carey's idea. She started shopping her film ideas uh, to studios in 1997. She started writing the songs to the soundtrack before it got a green light. And Carey admits that when the project was approved in 2000, uh, she found songs for the movie that she'd written and forgotten about. Probably for the best. She was only supposed to do six songs, but many collaborations with producers, writers and artists, including Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis and Rick James, led to her writing the entire soundtrack. And she also worked on a song with Prince, but they missed the deadline. There's definitely no song with Prince in this soundtrack. No, it's... <laughs> I'll get more into it a bit more, but... The best songs are songs that she didn't even write. <laughs> There's some good songs, just not hers. <laughs> the film is listed amongst the 100 most enjoyably bad movies ever made uh, in the official Razzie movie guide. Oh, come on. Not true. This isn't even so bad. It's good. This, this is just really bad. There's a few. There's a few scenes, but not enough to make it a trash to this, this was, and I'll say it now, this was so bad I had to crack open a window because I was overheating. <laughs> how annoyed I was at how bad this film really, truly was. Instead of releasing the film on DVD, 20th Century Fox... Ah, now, I noticed this when it started, how it's like 20th Century Fox presents an angle. No, it's not. It's Columbia. Mm. Um, they surrendered the rights to Columbia Pictures, uh, which distributed the film outside of the US. It made just over $5 million um, worldwide and was universally panned by critics. The soundtrack CD was the weakest selling album in Mariah Carey's career, prompting Virgin Records uh, EMI to sever their ties with Mariah Carey. That is so... Do you know how shitty that is? One album. Where she has really ruled the charts yeah. for the best part of a decade, and then she has one flop, and they're like, oh no, they're not working. And a tie in with a film as well. Exactly. You think they'd give her a bit of leeway. Um, but... Yeah, it's it's it shows how fickle the business is. And it, it really, you know, I don't say it lightly, this could have been a career killer for Mariah Carey. No Ooh. wonder she regrets it. Because this almost destroyed her career. I mean, she would... Um, I think her next... Was the next album a few years later? Did she take a little time off? I assume so. The so. Emancipation of Mimi is a fantastic album that came out a few years later. And I think that really kick-started her career again. If I'm, I'm not, I'm not a massive expert mm. on Mariah. But during filming, tracks using backup singer Marianne Tatum were used in place of Mariah Carey's voice to avoid bootlegging. <laughs> Carey recorded her vocals close to the release date of the soundtrack, and all lead vocals using the film are hers. <laughs> and they are, and she is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful singer. Oh, of course, completely I mean, wasted. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's also not a whistle tone to be found within this film. Yeah, I know. Which is yeah. shocking. Um, but, I mean, maybe it was in the original version, because the original cut of the film ran at two and a half hours. Fucking hell. The music, as noted by Von de Curtis Hall, director, 
um, was what made the editing process so difficult and protracted. Don't blame the fucking music. No. <laughs> fucking terrible filmmaker. This isn't even well made. It's fucking terrible. And, I mean, the music, if it did make the editing more difficult, then the way they solved it didn't help because I don't think we get a single full song in this film. Um... Maybe the one at the end, the telekinetic the song. End, yeah. Because it, every song is just cut down really short. Yeah. But then we just get people talking shit in its place. It's it's difficult because all the songs sound the same to me. A lot of them sound the same. Though Mariah Carey has since disowned this film, uh, Max Beasley, on the other hand, still stands by it and defends it. Okay. What else was Max Beasley in? Uh, probably not a lot if he thinks this was good. <laughs> yeah. This might be... Do you think this is his most famous role? Uh, <laughs> maybe. If I ever look on uh, the Internet Movie Database, what's he most known for? The Outsider, Homeland, Suits and Bodies. Okay. Or TV. Or TV. He's uh, he's English. He's British. Oh, really? Plain Can American. Yeah. Couldn't tell when his accent kept slipping through. Oh, he was in Hotel Babylon. Do you remember Hotel Babylon? No. Yeah. Um, that was like a BBC thing. This is the feature film debut, of course, of Mariah Carey and The Brat. Uh, and the film was supposed to launch an acting career for Carey. Yes. So, Razzie's... <laughs> Surprisingly, this <laughs> got some attention. Yeah. Of course, um, as we've said many times before, they go for what's popular at the Razzies, but in this case, it's fully justified. Um, so it only won one. Yeah. Uh, worst actress, of course, Mariah Carey, but it was nominated for worst actress of the decade, Mariah Carey, worst musical of the first twenty-five years of the Razzies. Worst picture, worst screen couple for Mariah Carey and Mariah Carey's Cleavage. This seems a little misogynistic, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, worst supporting actor, Max Beasley. Worst director, Vondi Curtis Hall. And worst screenplay, Kate Lanier and Cheryl Al West. So I think the film was fortunate to have been nominated the same year as Freddie Got Fingered. Yeah. Uh, which was, I've never seen it. Have you seen it? But, I mean, that's sort of, at the time, it was like, this is the worst film that's ever been made. This is awful, you know. Um, I don't think there was an actress in Freddie Got Finger, therefore Mariah Carey. Um, Mariah Carey was nominated for Worst Actress of the Decade because because she got 70% of the vote for uh, that win, for Worst Actress. And I think there's like five people in the category, so it's like, she got 70% of the vote, which is massive. Um, <laughs> uh, well deserved as well I'm, yeah. I, I'm not do you know what I, I like her but I, I ain't gonna beat around the bush she is awful and yeah awful. so getting into the film a young singer dates a disc jockey who helps her get into the music business a disc jockey but, but their relationship became, becomes more complicated as she ascends to superstardom I mean, does she? that sounds familiar <laughs> oh 
What does that sound? What does that sound like? Yeah, Gary? he could have done this as an original versus remake with a Star Is Born because mm. they're absolutely ripping off a Star Is Born. Absolutely. Like the exact plot. It is. It it's... is the exact plot. Yeah. I, how they didn't get sued, I have no idea. Because they added, <laughs> they added this little subplot that the film is bookended with to uh, set it aside. <laughs> Oh, God. So we, st- we start with, ladies and gentlemen, Lillian Frank. And in the 1970s, Lillian Frank is a performer at a nightclub. Um, so we know it's the 1970s because they have a grey filter put over the top uh, that makes it look like it's from a decade much earlier than the 1970s. It looks like. And so for this whole first section <laughs> uh, with Lillian Frank... Uh, performing and subsequently afterwards, yeah, set in the seventies. Um, it's got this like grey filter. It's like a fucking Great Depression, and, it, and I just don't understand it because if you've not established where we are in the film, yeah, then why are we getting this grey filtered flashback? We don't even know what we're flashing back no. to because the film's just started. Yeah, it's so it's it's so. Fucking ridiculous. Lillian Frank's on stage. She's a wonderful singer in a nightclub. Yeah, she's... She's giving big hoop energy. <laughs> she, she, her performance is actually uh, serving Mariah Carey on New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We get a little heckling from the crowd. I've okay. been waiting long. Uh-oh. Drunk again. <laughs> well, she goes, been waiting long. And someone's like, too long, baby. And then someone's like, oh, a bit drunk. Drunk again. That's all right, baby. You take your time. (laughs) (laughs) She is giving. Happy New Year, everybody. (laughs) It's really badly shot. Like, the camera works fucking awful. I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. Um, And it's like a a jazz club in the 70s. But it's made to look like like the Great Depression. Like, fucking 1920s and 30s and shit. Um, she tries to get the crowd on her side with her torch song, Lily's Blues. And uh, her daughter, Billy Frank, young Mariah Carey, accompanies her on vocals. Young Billy Frank cannot fucking sing to save her life. Oh my lord. I'm like, <laughs> she gets her up on stage and it sounds like, you know, these like kids club versions of songs so they get these like little kids to do versions and um and they make their own videos that's how rebecca black started out yeah kind yeah that kind of thing but it's like they're trying to do an impression of christina aguilera (laughs) so it's like christina aguilera (laughs) but like after some helium it sounds like a child, <laughs> and... <laughs> I kind oh of feel gosh. like you notice like all lead vocals in this film belong to Mariah Carey. I kind of think this might be Mariah Carey with an effect put on her voice. Oh my god, no! Do you know what it's <laughs> and the pitch changed? Do you know what it's like? It's like um, House by the Cemetery, <laughs> where they get an older woman to try and do an impression of a young child. But yeah, she can't sing for shit. Lillian helps us out to a drink on stage. Um, whilst her yeah, daughter which, sings. I must have looked away for a second because I, this drink just appeared in yeah, her hands. Yeah, she's on the back of the stage and she's really bad at pretending she's drunk. Like, she really... 
She's like, oh yeah, here's my daughter, everybody. She's singing <laughs> and she spits shit. Um, but <laughs> crowd go wild. The, the crowd go wild, but then Lillian's fired. Uh, <laughs> That's what I don't understand. <laughs> so the crowd go wild. Everyone's had a lovely time. Then they're outside um, Billy's father's house. <laughs> Lillian tells him that she's been fired, and he hands her some cash. So I thought she was pretending that she'd been fired, but seemingly she has been fired. Yeah. Um, even though Billy did a wonderful performance and everyone loved Because they did a fucking duet. Yeah. You know, suddenly she's sober enough to duet with her child and they do a wonderful act. <laughs> so why don't they just have that as the act in the nightclub? Yeah. The kid's clearly allowed to be in the nightclub because she's been propping up the fucking bar up to this point. <laughs> so why is she not allowed to perform at the nightclub? Mother and daughter, double act. Wonderful. Yeah, um, yeah so she goes to Billy's father's house. Uh, I kind of got it was implied that she was trying to give um, Billy to him, but he just didn't want her, so he gave her some money. Oh, no, I know, I know. I think she was just wanted to get some money off him. Well, she feels defeated, so she uh, falls asleep with a cigarette in her hand. Um, then Billy takes the cigarette off her... We well, get a really weird artsy shot of her lighting another cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's weird because we get... So Billy tucks her mum into bed yeah. after the, the cigarette. And then we see a, a number of jazz awards that Lillian has won. <laughs> so she's an accomplished jazz singer. But the drinks got the best of her, you know? Mm-hmm. So then we cut to her sat up on the sofa lighting a ciggy. Yeah. And then she falls asleep again and sets the house on fire. <laughs> yeah. Now I thought, now I thought her mum died in the fire. I was like, oh, okay. Because if she's right next, if she's fallen asleep, she drops this cigarette and the fire starts like right next to her. <laughs> I, d- I did at college once um, a module on uh, fire um, forensics. And we had a whole lesson on spontaneous human combustion. And nine out of ten of them were people who fell asleep with a cigarette in their hand. And they set on fire and they died. And people thought they just exploded because of how the fire was. So I thought we were going to get that. I thought, oh my God. Are we going to start the film with, you know, her mum setting herself up? No, they're outside afterwards. (laughs) They're just watching the firefighters. Yeah, the the building's evacuated, yeah. um, and due to her mother's actions, Billy is fostered, and has some really bad dialogue exchange with the aggressive-looking foster kids. The kid, they look like they wanted to bully her, like, oh, this fucking bitch so comes here. Weird. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, we'll be your friends. So, Billy... Lillian gives Billy to the woman who comes to pick her up. Yeah. Billy has a cat in her hands... I don't, I don't know where this cat's come from. I never saw a cat before, but she's holding a cat. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So then she's taken away. Lillian's like, oh, I don't want to do this. They're making me do this. Aunt, isn't she? Yeah. She says that. And she's, uh, oh, I'll co- when I'm better, I'll come and see you. Oh, bye-bye. Bye-bye, my love. All that stuff. She goes to the, the foster home, or I think they call it an orphanage. Which is weird because both her parents are still alive. So I'm assuming yeah. the dad should have some legal obligation as well. Well, that is weird how, you know, it she wasn't weird. given to the dad. Um, but she's in this foster home 
as a, a generic ballad plays in the background. <laughs> and these two girls, sta- they're stood on either side. And they're like, I'll talk to her. And they go really <laughs> aggressive, stomping over. I thought, oh, oh what's happening here? <laughs> and th- all they do is introduce themselves, introduce their ethnicities, say, is that your cat? <laughs> they stroke the cat, and that's it, best pals forever. Yeah. We get a montage of photographs of her looking really happy, mm-hmm. you know, really pleased. She's made friends for life. She's having a great time. And then we cut to 1983. Yeah, the grey filter disappears because we're in 1983 now. Uh, And adult Billy is in a club uh, with foster care friends, Louise and Roxanne. They're dancing away to short versions of various songs, including Heart of Glass by Blondie. Uh, And then they meet Timothy Walker, who offers them a contract as backup singers uh, and dancers to the singer Silk. What's one thing you noticed about the club that night? There was, there was a special night on. Was there? Yes. What was that? Leopard print night. <laughs> Everyone in the club is wearing leopard print. Did you not notice that? Yes, yeah, the 80s. Tim, even Timothy's wearing... Oh, it's not the fucking 80s. <laughs> even Timothy's wearing leopard print. <laughs> Some reason. Yeah, he um, he's played by Terence Walker. Yes. Um, Yeah. Uh, he's also Terence Walker, Terence Howard. Terence Howard, even. Who's Terence Walker? Um, the, Timothy Walker. The there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, again, no one's particularly good in this film. He's like, he ain't got much to do, really. I think I think he's an accomplished actor. <laughs> he gets one big moment in the he end. He gets one big moment. He's not good in it. Um, um, he yeah. introduces himself and his very quiet girlfriend, Silk. She doesn't say anything, so I think no. she's shy or... She's arm candy or something. And he's like, oh, do you want to be in a group? Um, and then so we might have to turn down the look. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because they do look hideous. Uh, Billy initially says no. Yeah. But during a very short walk home, she is reminded how poor she is by Roxanne and Louise. And therefore they manage to convince her to sing back up for Silk. Yeah. So all she needs to do is just stand there and go, and then that's I, it. I just there's a lot of scenes where somebody makes a decision, and then it's literally in terms of the film. Thirty seconds later, they change their mind. Yeah, and so a completely pointless scene. <laughs> she said, "Yeah, oh, oh shit, yeah, I am poor. Sorry about that." <laughs> uh, because her being reluctant to do it isn't really explained why she's reluctant to do it. So. What's the point? It doesn't add anything to her character. No. She's just, she just says no and then says yes straight away. Yeah. Like, it doesn't build anything. We don't know anything more about Billy because of it. And the fact that Mariah Carey has absolutely no emotion in her performance whatsoever. She's... You know, it, that doesn't help either. I don't like to judge anyone um, for stuff like this. But they've put so much makeup on her. Like, really, they really have. She's constantly got... And it, it's very visible how much makeup she's wearing. Yeah. And I know... I'm not saying she's had a facelift, but it makes it look like she's had a facelift. <laughs> so it's weird. Did, did you get that? Yeah, like no, absolutely. always just so like, much. Any crying scenes or anything, it's hard to tell if she's it's, actually yeah. upset. I don't know, it's dried and she can't move her face. It's just... <laughs> 
It really, they've really overdone it. The hair, the hair and makeup, it's too much. They go to the recording studio where Silk badly sings her song, All My Life, and Timothy asks Billy to sing it instead, realising that she's conveniently an amazing singer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is weird that he asked them to be backup singers without actually hearing them sing. Conven- <laughs> conveniently, she's one of the greatest vocalists of our generation. <laughs> Later that night, they go to a nightclub hosted by Julian Dice Black, a DJ, a cool DJ, who looks suspiciously like Billy's dad. Yeah, so, so, so what Timothy does is he turns Silk's microphone down and Billy's up and then gets Billy to sing the verse. And she sings it in a quintessential Mariah Carey style, which is very, very clearly a lead vocal. Yeah. But yet, no one questions this. Silk's there like, oh, still living her life, <laughs> singing along. She's like, well, this, why is she singing lead and not backup? Like, what's going Why is she improvising here? Why, why is she adding these notes that I'm not doing? Where's this coming from? But anyway. Yeah, so at the disco, Dice debuts uh, All My Life by Silk. And uh, goes backstage to congratulate uh, Silk on her new voice. And uh, says, in a PG, might I add, I had no idea you could blow like that. To which she says, I had no idea you were so interested in how good I could blow. In a PG. (laughs) I've got here, and uh, I wish I I would have uh, copied and pasted a photo of some sort, because I'm forgetting... Um, but I've got in capital letters. These outfits are not oh my 1983. God. They are Skegness Market, Crossroads, Karaoke Bar Scene. Yeah, that is what these outfits look like. They are awful. The, this for the whole film. For the whole film, and I'm going to keep bringing it up because it's going to keep ruining its ugly head. This is meant to be ni- set in 1983, <laughs> so 83 to 84, maybe into 85. It, it's hard to distinguish the timeline. But none of it looks like the 80s. No. It, re- it genuinely doesn't. The 70s didn't look like the 70s. And now the 80s don't look like the 80s. I don't get it. I just... I don't understand why set something in the 80s and not... I'd rather they overdid it. But that's the thing. They didn't need to set it in the 80s. No. Like, what's the it's point? Just, I think, and I, I genuinely think, that they set it in the 80s because the copyrights for the songs... Uh, what's, what's the word called when you have to pay to use a song? Royalties. Royalties were cheaper mm. than having to use contemporary songs. I genuinely feel that could have been a reason. Yeah. Because other than that, I mean, the costuming is not the 80s at all. And like I said, I'd rather they had just overdone it. Yeah. I'd rather have seen fucking Valley Girl. Yeah. You know, and just really exaggerated it all. Because it's just... And in the film itself, they all, you know, it's said a couple of times, oh, well, this is the 80s. Just to remind you. Which, no, it's not. Yeah. Um, a photographer shows up and wants to take a picture of the group, uh, to which Silk says, oh, you don't need them. They're just back up. And then she raises her fur so the photographers can't see the backup singers. Billy is fuming, so she smiles. 
and uh, responds to this by singing at Silk whilst leaving the room. Which helps Dice discover that Billy is the real singer of the song as a means to cover up Silk's abysmal singing ability. Yes, which I'm assuming Silk is aware of. I mean, yeah. She yeah. must know that that's not her yeah, voice. That's course, not what she sounds like. I mean... So why would you be so shitty to the backup singers knowing that they know a big secret? Yeah. And also, can we just discuss how hilarious it looked when Mariah Carey was singing in the scene? <laughs> yeah, it's so it was so badly dubbed on top. It's so, like... Kind of aggressively singing a non-aggressive song <laughs> in someone's face. It's so weird. While smiling as well. While smiling. Dice goes back to the DJ decks uh, and informs the audience that they can dance, they can sing, uh, and they can even make love to the DJ if they want to. Uh, and then tells them to get it on. He heads down to the audience where he hands the microphone to people who rap about the beat, um, ripping the S off Superman's chest. Uh, and not getting close to a fine behind. Yeah, um, she also raps about Elliot Ness. <laughs> now, you know Elliot Ness? Yes. You know, it, so that was Kevin Costner's character mm-hmm. in the Untouchables film. Yeah. Which was based on a TV series. Mm-hmm. Because in 1983, Elliot Ness, uh, the Untouchables, the Brian De Palma film, hadn't been released. No. So this, this, Young lady is rapping <laughs> about a TV show from the 1950s about Elliot Ness. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> but I also th- didn't the Fugees have a lyric reference to Elliot Ness as well. I think maybe Probably. that's where they got the influence from. <laughs> Definitely not 1983. It was just I was Elliot Ness. <laughs> Why is, she, why is she rapping about Elliot Ness in 1983? He, he then walks over to Billy and uh, everything slows down behind him. Uh, uh, what was that effect? I have no idea. But then Billy starts singing and she sings the following lyrics. I feel it and I like the beat. You're making fun. That's what it was. And I'm getting into it. I've, uh, you know, to quote uh, Dorit, I speak four different languages and that makes no sense in any of them. (laughs) I mean, it was like she was just giving a bunch of random words. It was like, try and put these together. I don't. So, is she meant to be freestyling? Yeah. And that's the best she can come up with. Mariah fucking Carey, that's the best she can come up with. It's on the spot, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, sorry, the other one was singing about Elliot Ness. Elliot and... Ness. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> you know, you talk about niche references. She, why wasn't she singing about fucking Rod Sterling in the Twilight Zone? <laughs> um, we don't get a really awkward shot of Billy's friends dancing badly. <laughs> Went on for far too long. Do you know what shot I'm on about? No. Where the, um, one, one of her friends is doing a whole, putting her arm up in the air and... Oh, okay. It just it goes on forever. Um, Dice wishes to produce uh, Billy, but she raises concerns about her contract with Timothy. Um, but he's like, no, no, I'll sort it, I'll sort it, you know. Um, I'll give you a career, get you famous and whatever. And he's like, oh, well, how can I reach you? And she's like, you're lucky seven, right? You'll figure it out. N- no, he's giving you a fucking contract. 
Give him your fucking number. Exactly. Tell him where to reach her. Also, I don't understand why he shoves a microphone in her face for her to <laughs> sing. Yeah? She does a lovely job. Everyone gives her a round of applause. He then leads her outside that they so they can talk about a contract. Yeah. Yeah. She does a whole you're lucky number seven whilst walking away. Yeah. And she goes home. He's like, oh, I've got to go back inside and finish my DJing. <coughs> I'm like, well, she was inside as well. I mean, she was on a night out or she was. Yeah. I think they work at the club as well as dancers or I don't know. But like you led her outside. Why is she going home? Why is she walking off home? <laughs> She's, she needs to finish her night out. Are you sending her home? Sending her packing? <laughs> the fuck? It's just, and, and it's just really inconvenient as well. Like, give him, uh, give him a way of contacting you. I know, yeah. You're getting a fucking contract. Yeah. Like, if someone offered you a job and you're like, ah, you know where to find me. <laughs> what? We just met. And Who then, are you? As she walks away, she... Bursts into CGI glitter for one of the greatest transitions in cinematic history. It's not glitter. What is it supposed it's to be? It's a sparkler. You know, like the make sure you're wearing a glove whilst holding these. <laughs> it's like a sparkler that someone's like thrown on the floor. It's it's like it's literally it's not. I don't. There's no glitter in this film. <laughs> I it's, feel like it's they like a sparkler. I feel like, like they wanted it to be glitter. It's like um, just... when like welding and stuff, <laughs> when that spray comes off. But it starts in her forehead, doesn't it? Yeah. It's really weird. She smiles and it starts in her forehead and then like fades. <laughs> Into the next scene. It's so shit. It's like some shit off the fucking Nickelodeon. <laughs> Back in the day. It's awful. They start working on songs. and uh, Dice speaks with Timothy. And he eventually he eventually agrees to let Billy go on the provision that Dice pays him $100,000. Um, and he says, uh, <laughs> Timothy tells Dice, look man, you're going to have to reimburse daddy. And uh, Dice says, you must be smoking dust tea. Um, but eventually they, they agree to it. Yeah, they do. And what I don't, number one, don't understand is why there wouldn't be some sort of down payment. Because it, it, it comes back in the story. Yeah. You you think, well, we'll pay it at least a bit, mm. you know? Also, what I don't understand is why... <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, um, but Dice comes in, Timothy sat on, on a chair... They both get up to go to the bar, but there's like a jump cut and then another jump <laughs> cut of them going towards the bar. Like it took too long for them to walk to the bar. <laughs> uh, but it's like, it's like duh, duh. but it looks like they're teleporting ever so, like a meter ahead as they're going to the bar. It's so shit, really badly edited. Like, what's the point? Well, I mean, we're led to think that's it, that the deal's all done and whatever. Um, Dice, Billy and her friends go to the recording studio to record I Didn't Mean to Turn You On by Shirelle uh, before she performs it at various venues. Now, are we supposed to believe that Shirelle doesn't exist in the that's universe of this I'm, film? Yeah. Or are we meant to think this is a cover? No, no one suggests either way, do they? No. This is the song that she sings. And, you know, I 
It is a great song, and Mariah Carey does it justice. She you know. does. But what a fucking random choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it, it it it's probably cheap, right? Yeah, and they probably assume no one would know it. Uh, yeah. What? Oh, I, yeah. I think I think that um, Mariah wrote the songs for the film, but wrote ballads. Yeah. And they needed an upbeat song. So they just covered, you know, I didn't mean to turn you on. Um, she performs it and she absolutely slays the performance. Mm-hmm. She's looking good, feeling gorgeous, looking absolutely nowhere near the 80s at all, <laughs> whatsoever. The crowd is loving it. Uh, and then we cut to Billy. And now I've gone down as Julian. Julian is dice. Okay. Uh, there we are. Billy and Julian are sat on the VIP balcony. Julian is cha- he's changed. He's changed. <laughs> he's changed. He's a different guy. How do we know that? Because he's wearing sunglasses. He wears sunglasses indoors. Uh, he wears sunglasses indoors, and these two label guys come over and ask if Billy has a contract yet. One is wearing a shirt with a CD pattern on. <laughs> As Frankie goes to Hollywood, plays in the background. <laughs> They leave, and Julian kind of makes a reference to them being a country music label by suggesting she'd have to wear chaps and ride a horse, and then tells Billy she deserves the best. Although she seemed pretty happy well, yeah. to just be offered a contract. This, this entire film is him making her decisions and taking all the credit for any success she has. Yeah, so she was just happy. I mean, it's it's been established that she, she's poor, she got no money, and therefore... She would just want to take whatever contract she can. Yeah. Uh, and these CMZ, I'm, I'm assuming it's country music. Well, or apparently they also, um, they've also signed Chili D. Chili D. Well, Chili D doesn't sound like country no, music. No, but they've also signed Chili D. Um, and when they get turned down, they're very easy to walk around like, okay. Oh, wait, they weren't CMZ, excuse me. CMZ's the next one, isn't Yeah, it? but they, they, they don't even try and put up a fight for her. Like, no, they're just like, oh, okay. Well, you know where to find us. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but then after this uh, is when they meet to, uh, CMZ, yeah, Guy so, Richardson. Yeah, so the news around the club is that CMZ guys have turned up at the club. And uh, so Julian plays Billy's song. And gives the CMZ guys a cassette. Uh, they then cut to Billy and Julian at CMZ headquarters. Billy is... Uh, no, Julian is wearing sunglasses indoors again. <laughs> uh, Julian comforts Billy. Uh, but the meeting is actually just a group of people excited and drinking champagne. So it's like, oh, I'm nervous. What's going to happen? I'm going to say yes or no. Oh, oh. They open the door... And they pop open a bottle of champagne and they don't actually talk business. They're just like, ah, oh, you got well, you got a record no. deal. Like, it, it's so weird. I mean, before this, we get one of the many manic transition shots of New York City. It oh, looks God. like fucking Catwoman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they literally, there's no conversation. Like, no. Um, they haven't put a deal across to her or anything like that. They just say, like, yeah, fuck it, you got signed. Whoa. It's just such, yeah, it's so weird that. You have this whole scene of them establishing whether she's going to get the contract. You think mm. you think we're going to have to see her perform in front of the judges, like an X Factor style, American Idol style thing. 
and you know we're gonna have a really tense moment and they're gonna say yes or no and they're gonna put their face no so they just open the door and the champagne pops you've got a <laughs> you've got a record deal yeah um and then so it's just a really fucking pointless scene of her being nervous before yeah. that and then after this, um, Billy's friends help prepare her for a date with Dice. Like, this comes out of nowhere, this romantic connection. Kind of. There's, I mean... I mean, there's no chemistry think, for no, the there's entire there's no chemistry. Film. But I think they were trying for flirty looks. Christ. Maybe. It didn't fucking work. No. Um, they tell her not to get all freaky on the first date. Mm. And in a bizarre series of events... She leaves in a towel and walks outside in a fucking dress. Yeah. Because... The way they do the shot, she walks out of the fucking door and then outside in a fucking dress. Yeah. Because Dice is waiting outside when she's still in her towel, chatting shit. So she walks out the shot and then appears (laughs) at the door in a dress, even though she was in a towel beforehand. (laughs) Um, so after her quick change, she goes on a date that she's not sure if it's a date or not with Dice. Well, if, if they go to a restaurant, as soon as they walk through, everyone looks at them like they look like fucking shit. Yeah. You'd think they'd just walked in naked or something like that. The looks they were given, they were so shocked. I was like, well, hang on. We are still looking at Mariah Carey here. She looks very glamorous, you know. But that's the thing. What are you going for? A rags to riches tale? Yeah. Because she looks very glamorous. She looks like a pop star. Yeah. She is the moment, you know? (laughs) Billy, um, after receiving uh, a rose and being picked up by Dice, asks if it is a date. But then he He says says it's not a date. Uh, And then they make a toast to us. What? What well, them as a business partnership? Um, what the thing fucking pissed me off? This film is so cliched, <laughs> so cliched, it to the point of nausea. It's insincere to the point of nausea, <laughs> and the one that really did it for me, where I was like, <sighs> was this scene at the restaurant, because he orders for her, and it's escargot. She's like, what's that? What's this in front of me? It's snails. And she's like, did someone go all the way to France for this? And I just, it's so fucking cliche. I don't know how many films have done the, you know, rags to riches tale, the, you know, lower class uh, female who doesn't know about fine French cuisine mm-hmm. and escargot and snails and oh yeah it's been done to fucking death by 2001 it's been yeah. done to fucking death it's like fuck off yeah. I, you know write something new it's so fucking cliched I just thought oh fuck off yeah and uh, Dice asks her up to his apartment for five minutes whilst he picks something up she agrees to three minutes uh, and then has a nose around and asks him what happened because he used to be cute um, before mocking the fact that he owns a xylophone like in kindergarten. Like, I mean, she was supposed to just wait there whilst he picks him up and she was like, oh, you kidding me? This looks like fucking shit. You have a fucking xylophone and you're a fucking kid? What's wrong with you? Yeah, and then he's... So he takes it upon himself to explain who Quincy Jones is. 
Like, and goes into Quincy Jones, Grammy Award winner, did that, did that. And he says, this isn't a xylophone, it's a marimba. And, and where has this come from that Billy is thick or, or stupid or uneducated or uncultured? Like, where has this come from? So her mum was... The snail uh, conversation. Yeah, but I mean, before this, as a development of a character, her mother was a singer, a, a, a well-renowned singer in jazz clubs, mm. you know? She was around music. She must have loved music even when she was put into foster care. Seemingly, she was at the foster home all this time, which is why she kept friends with the girls who were at the foster home. So she was never fostered or adopted. No. Seemingly. But that, I don't get... She seemed in those that photo montage to have had a wonderful upbringing yeah. and a wonderful time with two friends. They loved their music. Why is this film suddenly telling us that she is, you know, had a rough upbringing in the foster care system mm. and she's uneducated and she's uncultured? Like, where is this coming from? And what's this even, apart from being a massive cliche, you know, come on, My Fair Lady, crap, you know, why... Why is this film doing this? It serves no purpose. Yes. Like, why can't why can't she know what a fucking marimba is? And we can still have this, mm-hmm. you know, relationship between the two of them. Why does she have to be dumb in this film? Mm. She needs to know what a marimba is. The fact that I don't understand why she wouldn't know who Quincy Jones was. I mean, that's an insult. There's, there's absolutely no way she wouldn't know who Quincy Jones yeah. was. So I don't know why he felt the need to explain. Um, yeah. It's just it just pisses me off because it's fucking stupid. It's so so stupid and insulting because it's always fucking women in these films that are like it. Maybe it's explained more in a two and a half hour cut. Maybe release the carry cut. Release the carry cut. <laughs> they have quick PG. This is written by women. This is written. By I know. Women I as know. Well. It's shocking. Based on an idea from Mariah Carey. Yeah. They have quick PG... Based, in, <laughs> based on Mariah Carey, who watched A Star Is Born. Basically. They have quick PG sex, uh, whilst Lead the Way oh, by Mariah yeah. Carey plays. Come on, underwear snogging behind frosted glass doors. <laughs> and then she tells him, you know, I don't do this. And he's like, I can tell. Ha, ah, just joking. Uh, he then tells her that she's different, and they try to find some sort of chemistry, but completely fail. Yeah, she explains that she has trouble trusting people, even though the film hasn't suggested in any way whatsoever <laughs> that she has trouble trusting people. Like, like, how has this? How has the film shown us that she has trouble? Apart from her just lying in bed saying, "I have trouble trusting people," <laughs> like she made fast friends really quick at the foster care. Mm-hmm. She was more than willing to take the first offer from a record label yeah. that she was given. Um, she, it took barely any time for her to be convinced to do backup singing. And she actually wasn't didn't really have that much of an issue with her voice being used. She trusted that. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. 
It's just because she said it, I have trouble trusting people. Well, after No, the, you don't. <laughs> as the scene comes to an end, <laughs> the song continues and right. we get the lyrics. I found myself reborn on the day that I met you. And if we move closer, then love will take over. As... as... <laughs> you said I didn't Go on, carry on. As they move closer together. <laughs> Literally, as the lyrics, if we move closer, oh are sang. So on the nose. They go to the studio to record Loverboy, the big single from the film. I didn't know the song existed until this film. I knew the remix existed. I didn't realise it was from the film and that both versions were shit. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Later that day, they're driving around New York and the song comes on the radio. So Dice obnoxiously goes to random cars, turning their radios off because everybody's listening to it. Yeah. Billy calls her friends to tell them and they turn it on. Uh, and Dice and Billy start bouncing up and down whilst at a payphone before they hug in slow motion. Honestly, what a fucking nightmare. You imagine just driving around and some fucking arsehole breaks into your car to turn up Mariah Carey on the radio. Like, get the fuck out. What the fuck are you doing? What I was thinking was we were going to get a fame moment. Yeah. So you know the famous scene in yeah. Fame where the traffic comes to a halt and they all start singing and dancing? I was like, ah, oh, this would be great. No. It's just <laughs> literally turn the radio up. Give uh, Louise and Roxanne a call, put the phone down straight away and have a snog. Like, that's it. <laughs> in, a, in a sleazy series of events... Oh, don't. They're making a music video for Loverboy and a wind machine blows off Billy's dress that she's holding up. Now, the actual music video for this song... <laughs> she's... No, she's not. No. No. So... Have you seen yet? No, yeah, we watched the remix. That's yeah. the remix. Technically, though, that's the one released alongside yeah, the film. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and that's just her, you know, just standing around on a racetrack. Yeah. Um, but this video looks like it's like they're trying to do single ladies before it's time. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a plain white background. <laughs> She's got massive hair. And she's wearing a bikini whilst holding a sheer piece of material. That's not oh, her it's dress. Oh, it's not a dress, no, it's a bit of material. It's a sheer yeah. piece of material as confetti is falling. So you know that large of confetti? Yeah. Um, that's falling from the um, ceiling. The director stops the filming and says the glitter cannon can't overpower the artist. Bitch, that ain't glitter cannon. <laughs> that ain't glitter. Do you think the director knows what glitter is? No, there's no glitter in the bitch. There is no glitter in this film. And uh, it's confetti. It's a confetti cannon. And he's a, um, he's French. With, well, um, I don't think the actor is. Uh, but the accent is French. It's giving me French. Um, he then... This is very bizarre. For another... For another... <laughs> another episode of... Early 2000s dialogue that makes Chris and Gary angry. <laughs> very, very bizarre. Because he says, is she white? Is she black? She's exotic. And then says, I want to see more of her breasts. Well, no, he says, after she says, is she, after she says, is she white? She's like, we don't know. She's exotic. Yeah, I was paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he wants to see more of her breasts. It's like, mate, seriously... It just, it's a part of the film that 
is not dealt with. And I don't... I, is that played for laughs? Is it meant to be a joke? Because I feel like is it, it is. Is it meant to be a joke? I mean, if this element was explored, you could have had a really interesting film. You could have. The, the whole idea of colorism mm. in the music industry would have been really interesting. Yeah, I don't think that's where they were going with this line. No, of course it's not. Of course it's not. But they could have. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's thinking about yeah. what this film could have been to make it stand out because it's such a cliched mess that actually that could have been a good idea. Mm. But it's not. So it just sticks out and it's just fucking weird. Yeah. It was so jarring. Me me and you were like, what the fuck? Yeah. Who the fuck wrote that? It is genuinely like the the brown sugar line in Catwoman. It's just... It's so unnecessary. It really is. Because you're not dealing with it, it's Mm. so unnecessary... Yeah. So then, so they, she goes off, so Billy goes off, and Louise and Roxana are there, and they're jokingly twi- uh, twine, trying to twerk or cha cha. Shake her, the, um, Roxana's trying to get Louise to shake her chi chi. Yeah, but so I can do the cha cha as well. Mm. So it's the most personality they've shown throughout the whole of the film. <laughs> But the director thinks they are a joke and suggests that they get strippers instead. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's... Before this point, we've established that Roxanne and Louise are very talented. Yeah. So I don't know where this sudden Cheech and Chong act has come from. Yeah. Laura and Hardy bullshit. Because this is not the characters that were introduced. No. The characters that were introduced were, you know, Billy's good friends who may not have had exactly the same talents as Billy, but were still able to sing back yeah. and dance. Yeah. That's why they were hired the same time as Billy. But it's her voice, her unique voice, that Mariah Carey voice, that sets her out. So I don't... This whole scene where they're being stupid and silly and, you know, for comedic effect, mm. doesn't work. Because that's not the characters that you've established. No. Um, but anyway, they, they are getting rid of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Kurt wants Billy in her underwear for the music video. Uh, she's fuming, but he convinces Dice that it should happen because sex sells. Yeah. Um, so... It's kind of weird that she could stand there in a bikini with a sheer piece of material yeah. see through you can see through it uh-huh. whilst performing and she was perfectly fine with that mm-hmm. she was having a perfectly fine time and now she's having to perform without that sheer piece of material she looks uncomfortable she's wary of it isn't mm. she um so then we're introduced to billy's fast talking publicist oh my god just her, and, just her and fucking peter who looks like a fucking weirdo yeah. Show up and like, she literally and for the whole film, she just chats shit. Just really does. I, I don't. I didn't even get any of the dialogue down. Cause yeah. she's I just got to think about a schedule. That's all. Yeah. It just. Oh my god! It was constant. Another cliche for the film. So. <laughs> and then another cliche. Another cliche. <laughs> uh, Billy tries to record again in just the bikini with male dancers in their underwear. Clearly gay guys. With fire painted on their torsos. 
Billy looks uncomfortable for some reason. I don't understand why she was so comfortable before, but now she's uncomfortable. She's got her arms around her stomach. She's looking uncomfortable. Yeah, it gets but, worse. But it never right. expresses that. It gets so worse. She looks uncomfortable to be on show. And Julian is fuming. He stops the music video and takes her away. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I can't figure out if it's because she's uncomfortable, because we've had no, a shot... No, it's not. No, I, I, no, let me finish. So we've had a shot of her establishing her as uncomfortable having her midriff on show mm-hmm. because she's covering it up and her face is showing, you know, discomfort. Yeah. Or he's upset... Because she's dancing with scantily clad men. It's that one. It's that one. But why would we have her looking uncomfortable if that's not the point of the scene? Genuinely, it gets worse. Because, I mean, I mean, first of all, they're, they're clearly gay. The dancers are clearly gay, guys. They're really flamboyant and whatever. Well, we can't force... Well, I mean, they are. Well, Come on. They dance with Mariah yeah. Carey, Chris. Well, you know. <laughs> we can't uh, judge a book by its cover. They're definitely gay. But, um... <laughs> and he's viewing. It's like, okay, come on. It's a little obvious, son. Um, but then he drags her out of there. You know, she's looking uncomfortable. But then she's fuming that he put a stop to it. Yeah. Like... Yeah. That is so confusing. She... You know, she looked like she wasn't okay before and during filming. But then she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you fucking take me out of there. It's like... What? Yeah, she's like, oh my God, you know, am I going to look unprofessional? And I'm just like, so what story is this scene telling? It's telling two different stories. It's just really, it's really bad writing. It it is. It is. Um, She apologises to her friends about the video. And they're like, that's all right, let's go shopping, because that's what women do. And then they buy horrendous looking (gasps) gold outfits that they never wear again. Do you know what those outfits reminded me of? Isn't there a Steps video where they're all in gold? <laughs> or No. Is it one for Sorrow? Where they're all wearing a hideous colour yellow. Um, Love's got a hold of my heart. Love's got a hold of my heart. And isn't Maybe for, also one for Sorrow. Yeah, aren't they like, wearing a cowboy hat? Yeah, oh, no, that's... Yeah, Love's got a hold of my heart. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of that. Or the <laughs> um, Bugaboo video from Destiny's Child. <laughs> Where they're going around town in, like, leather pants and... Uh, leather pants, how oh, very American of me. Leather trousers and cowboy hats and well, <laughs> shopping bags and shit. Hideous. The outfits are hideous. They reminded me of uh, the gold statue from Hot Fuzz. That, the, what you see around British towns where they just stand there with oh, many, yeah. people put money in their, in their pots. Uh, that's all I could think of. <laughs> Um, the girls seem perfectly fine and then go for a shopping spree because yeah. she's, she's got the money yeah. So because she takes out a wad of cash that she seemingly got from her deal mm-hmm. and on all this yeah Kelly want, uh, as in the publicist wants Billy to move away uh, from the sexy and slutty thing but then presents her with pictures of her wearing very little from a sexy photo shoot they did where she looks like she's in the Blair Witch House and she looks really confused. Yeah, she does. And she's in a bikini and she's got like a very 60s vibe. <laughs> and it doesn't like the child handprints on the wall in the background from the Blair Witch House. Yeah, no, it really does. <laughs> but I thought the publicist said that she managed to salvage some publicity stills from the music video. 
and it looked nothing like the music video. Was that what that was meant to be? That's that was, what that was meant to nothing be. Nothing like that it. That was meant to be publicity stills from the music video. She said, oh, <laughs> you know, we've managed to salvage these. And it looks absolutely nothing like the music video. No. Uh, because, number one, she's got this 60s-inspired hooped, like, poncho thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hand, it's hard to describe. And then, and then her and bikini bottom. she's really smiling. Yeah. She's having a great time being photographed in a bikini. But she also looks really confused as well. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but then, so Kelly says, don't want you to go for the sexy, slutty thing. Presents her with these pictures of her in a bikini. Yeah. Um... But then Dice, and which she's happy with those photos, and then Dice is like, that's great if you're like titsy the porn star. Yeah. What are you trying to say? Yeah. Make your fucking mind up, filmmakers. I mean, also, the amount of slut shaming in this film is unbelievable. It's weird. Like, it's he wasn't so complaining weird. about her being sexy and slutty when she was jumping in bed with him after a fucking snail meal. Like, you know, where was this issue then? It it's they're bringing up too much shit in this, so it's bringing up sex cells, and the fact that Billy has to get in a bikini to get attention in the music business, so there has to be the sexy side too. Yeah, and it initially it suggested she's uncomfortable with this. That doesn't last very long. So then it's established that Julian is uncomfortable with it because he thinks it's slutty. Yeah. Now, is it because he thinks she's going to sleep with every man she meets in the music business? I don't know. It's not established. Is it because she is going to become a success from this and he's jealous of her successes? That's not established either. No. He just has an issue. He's just He just says, Titsy the porn star, and we're meant to establish what that means for him as a character. <laughs> so does he Titsy. just not like... Yeah, does he not like women? Does he not like, you know, sex in the music industry? Does he think it takes away from her, um, in you know, artistic integrity? It's just annoying that... is, Why is he saying this? Yeah. It's annoying that the... the, the Tell writers, me the reason. <laughs> the writers... What is the reason? The writers, you know, women as well. Yeah. They clearly don't think of this. No. That, this is all just thrown in there randomly. It, like, oh, some stereotypes, here yeah, you go. Just throw cliches. in a cliché. Throw in a cliché. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, oh, I saw this in the film once. Yeah, throw that in. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. Dice wants the photo shoot redone and Kelly assures him that their professionals have it all under control. Timothy randomly appears whilst Dice is having a sig break. Uh, he's there to lay down a new track with Silk and he shows Dice the recording session. Dice asks if Timothy's hungry and if he has food in his fridge. Uh, and he says to come see him when he runs out. Makes no kind of sense. Very cryptic conversation that's basically meant to make us assume that he hasn't gave him all the money. He yeah, he it. says it's, it's. He said the deal was crap, and he knows it. And essentially, he's not going to pay him the money. Yeah. Um. Then we get Billy buys Julian <laughs> a Yamaha keyboard, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, that's all the sound effects on there." Like the horn. It's very, very <laughs> clear that it's a Yamaha keyboard. <laughs> Front and centre, 
Billy tells us everything this <laughs> Yamaha keyboard can do. Isn't this great? Julian is so pleased because he's wanted a Yamaha keyboard <laughs> for a very long time now. Yeah, and uh, she treats him like a fucking child because there's obviously product placement. She treats him like a child and he has to. she has to explain every fucking yeah. thing about this Yamaha keyboard. And then Julian says, oh, no one's ever bought me anything before. <laughs> like, no, bitch. I thought this was Billy's rags to riches story. <laughs> Don't be telling me that your parents have never bought you anything. And, and not whilst... for Christmas, not for birthdays. Someone must have bought you summer. And he's so happy about this Yamaha keyboard to the point he asks her to move in with him. Yes. It's an it's a uh, a promise Yamaha keyboard, yeah. not an engagement Yamaha keyboard, but it's a promised Yamaha keyboard that they can move in together. <laughs> uh, she then pretends to cry whilst going through a box of her mum's things, and talks shit about her mum to Dash without showing any emotion whatsoever. Oh yeah, my mum. <laughs> One of the reasons Julian invites Billy to move in with him is I think it would be nice to spend more time together. And 90% of the film so far has been them together. <laughs> it's so weird. And also, why has Billy got a box of her mum's belongings? It's confusing yeah. because I thought her mum had died. I thought she had a box of her mum's belongings because her mum was dead. Yeah. You thought that as well, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but why has she got the box? What's that about? Why has she got the box? It's true. She wasn't given anything like that when she moved out. No, she, she, she wasn't. And it's, it's stuff like, oh, my mum used to wear this all the time. I thought she died. I thought she was dead. Well, she starts, she takes some pictures from it and puts them in a scrapbook. Um, the pictures are her and her mother with the 70s grey filter on it. Oh, I know. And then she starts writing and performing reflections to which she sings that she wishes her mum had the decency to have an abortion before giving her life. I know. <laughs> the lyrics are literally, you could have had the decency to give me up before you gave me life. <laughs> oh my God. What a lyric. Like, are you mad? Are you mum? Do you want to be dead? What, what? It's, what are you saying? But I just, I don't get it. Because by all accounts, she actually had a very happy upbringing. <laughs> it's true. She's had two best friends that have been with her through thick and thin. They've stuck together for all this time through the foster care system <laughs> and whatnot. By all accounts, she actually didn't have a terrible upbringing. And she was better off without her yeah. mum. So I d th then she sits there and writes a song... About having the decency to give her up before she gave her life. I'm like, oh my god. Like, seriously. That's some dark lyrics for a PG. <laughs> Billy then goes to an adoption agency and tries finding information on her mum, but they don't have anything. In no. a completely throwaway scene that is only used for the last few seconds of the film where this shitty subplot comes back. Yes. When we're at the recording studio, management want an album ASAP. He, as the single has just dropped off number one after ten weeks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a great dialogue. There's, there's a great bit of dialogue exchange here as well, <laughs> where Guy, the record label guy, says, uh, "There's a lot of great producers out there now." And Billy says, "What are you saying?" And he says, 
I'm saying there's a lot of great producers out there now. <laughs> but this producer that he seemingly wanted to get rid of, which is Dice, has just produced a song that was number one <laughs> for ten weeks. But then he sends <laughs> he sends uh, the rest of the demos over from the album, including Reflections, um, and the record label are fucking fuming. Like, what the fuck are you sending me? Uh, he says they didn't like any of the songs, to which Billy says, that's impossible. <laughs> they, <laughs> they say she needs a hot duet or something to cross over to the pop charts. And they didn't like the woe is me thing with reflections because it's the 80s um, and everyone wants to dance. And Billy's like, woe is me? What the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> Why is she a it's, moron? It's the song where you said... Uh, <laughs> Your mum should have had an abortion. <laughs> That's what the woe is me is. Fucking hell. Dice thinks I should go to a different label and says he'll write all the songs for her. Billy is randomly called to perform at an awards ceremony um, whilst driving around with Kelly and Pete. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure if you are going to be booked to perform at an awards ceremony, they should probably schedule this and announce it a few weeks in advance. Exactly. Especially if you've just had a number one for ten weeks, you know, yeah. it's a big deal. But they want her to rehearse that day. They go straight there. Yeah. She's like, can you call Julian for me? Uh, and she just brushes, the publicist just brushes it off. And the weird thing is, before this, Julian seemed okay with yeah. this whole thing. Okay? I just need mm-hmm. to establish, Julian seems okay with this whole yeah. thing. He'll have time to... Produce some music of his own. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. So, we then cut to Julian having a wonderful time (laughs) playing music at home with his band. He's really getting into it Mm -hmm. and they're having a great time. Then, at the rehearsals at the theatre where the award ceremony is taking place, Billy sees Raphael (laughs) playing a ballad on the piano. Which surprises me because I thought it was the 80s and people only like dance music in the 80s. Very strange. She's very impressed. Which surprises me because it's the 80s and I thought people only enjoyed dance music in the 80s. <laughs> Billy then sings. So they swap places and she goes out on stage. I don't understand the rehearsal because she has no backup no. dancers. There's no lighting. There's nothing like that. No one has set up a stage for anything. She just goes out and sings into a microphone. And apparently this is the rehearsal. So Billy sings, and this is really confusing. I didn't mean to turn you on. Even though I thought Loverboy was the hit (laughs) single. (laughs) Raphael is impressed. (laughs) Because it's the 80s and everyone loves dance music in the 80s. Uh So... Then we cut to them leaving the USA Awards and the reporter lets us all know that Lionel Rich is the big winner of the evening (laughs) because it's the 80s. And because nothing looks like the 80s, they have to keep telling us it's the 80s by telling us how big Lionel Rich has won that evening. (laughs) The reporter tries to interview Billy... But Julian, with a fully open shirt, for some reason... (laughs) Nothing on underneath. ...drags her away. Which is very strange, because you'd think he would have wanted her to do the interview, and together, and 
all that business because it's part of being a star and he wants her to be a star because he wants more money, he wants her to sell records, blah de blah de blah. Anyway. Roxanne and Louise are pleased to see Billy on the TV and Roxanne hilariously doesn't know what to wear joining them for the after party. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Um, tries on different outfits. None of them look like the 80s. At the after party, a movie producer wants Billy in a film. I have written here in capitals and exclamation points, please don't fucking do it. <laughs> because you'll end up in a film like Glitter. <laughs> Yeah. The film producer calls Julian Deuce instead of Dice, <laughs> and Dice is absolutely fuming. And uh, he states that he would be interested in scoring a film, but the movie producer doesn't give a shit. D- d- he doesn't, does he? No. He two shits. Billy is taken aside and told someone important is dying to meet her, and it's Raphael. <laughs> He's a massive fan. A massive fan. And she's a big fan of his. Yeah. And so the, the weird thing is that Raphael is meant to be this big deal. A big enough deal that, um, you know, someone from the label has to go over and say, this guy really wants to meet you. Yeah. VIP area, all that bullshit. But they, have, they did kind of meet at the rehearsal. They mm-hmm. could have talked to the rehearsal. They were there at the same time. Both impressed. Anyway, whatever. Um, they could also have established this clearly made-up character as a big star <laughs> if Raphael had been the big winner of the evening and not Lionel Richie. But, you know, that would be um, interesting writing. And, of course, this film has none of that. Julian is absolutely fuming after meeting Raphael. Yeah, he's clearly all coked up. They have definitely... The part of this two-and-a-half-hour film, they've removed the big drug storyline here because he is off his fucking face. He interrupts their conversation, starts being rude to Raphael, um, brags about working with Quincy and drags Billy away to the limo. Um, In an aggressive series of events... (laughs) Oh, in an absolutely hilarious series of events... Dice tells Billy that Raphael only wants to work with her because she dresses like a slut... Her friends defend her. <laughs> and he says, Hey Louise, you know what? I pr- I produced just something a little more than a body pop. Fat ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who are you calling fat ass? He's like, you got plenty of ass. Then he calls Roxanne a roach bag. <laughs> Whatever the roach bag is, no idea. Yeah, that's all she wants. Don't go mouthing up again, roach bag. <laughs> roach bag. And How Billy, dare you? Billy... In this scene is a great representation of the writing for this film because one minute she's, how dare you talk to my friends like that? She's like, oh no, don't talk to Dice like that. Yeah. Don't you talk to my friends like that. Don't talk to Dice like that. Make your fucking mind up. Yeah. <laughs> she, it's, it's very sort of bipolar, really. It's, 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 so many characters are one thing one second. Yeah. And then one thing another, scene to scene. This scene is constant and she... Then defends Dice again by saying he's drunk. And then Roxanne and Louise demand to get out. And Billy's like, no, I'm staying. See you later, girls. Well, kind of. Yeah, Roxanne and Louise leave the limo. They kind of expect her to leave with them. And then when she doesn't, they're like, see ya. Yeah. Do we then get cut to Billy crying on the floor in the bathroom? (laughs) Trying to. (laughs) Trying to. And Julian joins her and apologises. In his ugly leather pants. 
in ugly leather pants. She tells him that none of her success means anything without him. Sorry, well, she says, none, sick, none of this know. would have happened if you didn't believe in me. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely... So this is a, a plot point that's been established one scene and then dealt with the next. And it's like, yeah. oh, fuck's sake. So Billy goes outside. <laughs> it's very strange. Billy goes outside. Oh, this is a bizarre series of And events. sees a drunk woman singing. Now, the drunk woman resembles her mother. <laughs> Identical. You, identical. You could genuinely identical. mistake them for being the same actress. So then I thought her and her mother had miraculously found each other in in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And the, the woman stops singing and gives Billy like a knowing look, like a glance. <laughs> and I'm like, are they not going to talk? Are they not going to interact? And then she just walks off. Yeah, and then the li- and the song starts playing, and then the lyrics that starts with, "Dear God, it's all so tragic." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. So her mum's just walked past her and not spoke to her. Yeah. There's still nothing here to say that wasn't the case. But the, the woman's, the the actress lo- looks very similar yeah. to her mother. But also in her attire, yeah. she's dressed like her mother was dressed at the beginning of the film. It's so weird. And she's singing, and she's a good singer as well. She's not like she's a bad singer. Yeah, do you know why? Because she sounds like her fucking she mother. Like her mo- I genuinely <laughs> really thought it was her mom. I was so confused when they didn't interact with each other. We then get Billy returning home <laughs> with groceries. And she says, you know we're doing late night live tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Late Night Live obviously being a play on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> um, Julian isn't there, though. Who is though, Gary? Timothy. It's Timothy. He tells her about the deal and suggests he doesn't want to hurt her, but might have to. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, again, I ain't being funny. You know, it's a very stereotypical look at... A, a black male character in, in yeah. the film. You know, very stereotypical. You know, he's just a music producer for most of it and now he's like a shady gangster type out of nowhere, you know. And the thing is, at the end of the day, Julian did promise him $100,000. Yeah. And if he hasn't given him a penny, then Julian is the bad guy. Yeah. Okay, he's broken into their home and he's threatening to hurt her. But, you know... That's bad writing. Yeah. But Ju- why is Julian the good guy? It's yeah. It's so mixed up. He, he's, still, he's still a shit man. Is still fucking, shit. He has just continued to prove how much of a piece of shit he is throughout the entire film. Yeah. He has slut-shamed her. He's fat-shamed her friends. He has took all the credit for her success. He is just constantly getting worse as the film goes on. And then Billy confronts him in this next scene uh, about the shit that she's in with Timothy now because of him. And then shortly after, Dice is arrested for beating up Timothy. What did you beat him off for? You owe him money. Yeah. Ginny returns home and says she sounded terrible on the phone. <laughs> and then she tells him what's happened. So why did she just tell him on the phone? Like, why yeah. would you call someone and sound terrible on the phone but not explain until he gets mm-hmm. home? We don't see the phone calls. The so Lord knows what, what she said. Julian storms out. And beats up Timothy, mm-hmm. but right next to some to some police officers. Like yeah. right next to some police officers. 
<laughs> Backstage at Late Night Live, Julian calls. He's been arrested. Uh, the paparazzi are in full force outside the police station. Mm-hmm. And apparently, apparently Billy cancelled her performance right before she was due to sing. Yeah. Uh, very unprofessional. Um, at home, Billy tells Julian about himself, gives him a good slap around the chops. Well, this is but this is when he makes all of her success about him and he gets yeah. aggressive with her. So, yeah, she slaps him and dumps him, grabs her fucking ginger cat from the start of the she film, does. who is somehow still alive, How is and that leaves. Cat the cat has not made alive. a single appearance no. before this point. How is that cat still alive? <laughs> I'm so and looks really young as well. Looks really, looks exactly the same. That talk. cat has had some fucking work done, I tell ya. Because it looks exactly the same. Yeah, she get, Billy goes to stay with her friends. Um, yeah. But Dice is living his best life. He's playing piano and smoking at the same time. Well, he is. He's rewriting a song. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird to have that just thrown in there. Of him, like, really enjoying writing a song while she's hugging a cushion. Yeah. Uh, also, um, Roxanne and Louise initially are like reluctant to have her, and then uh, he says, "I've left him." Oh, come in, sweetheart. Oh, we'll look after you. Uh, Billy walks on a Manhattan street for some reason. I don't know. She's giving Sex in the City energy, but for no apparent reason, they just felt like shoving it in there. Uh, Billy is called to the studio. Um, she's not in the mood. She doesn't have time for this. She doesn't have time for this, apparently. <laughs> uh, but Raphael is there and wants to write a song together. So you get this flirtiness between Raphael and Billy mm-hmm. that goes absolutely nowhere. No. Nowhere whatsoever. They write a song together. It's an abs in terms of the film, not my opinion. It's an absolute banger. It's called it Want You. Want You. It goes straight to number one. Why does it go to number one? Why? Because he arranges for the single to be leaked on the radio oh, stations. Yeah. Bitch, just fucking release, just release it. it. It's so weird. And why? Oh, Back in the day, hell. singles were released before a yeah. video was made. Um, the DJ says. The single is number one with the bullet and her album is number one with the rocket. <laughs> and she sold out Madison Square Gardens. <laughs> like, this is absolutely ridiculous. It's it's unbelievable that after a debut album and a couple of number ones, she would sell out Madison Square Gardens. I'm not 100% sure how this works, but Madison Square Gardens is a big deal. Yeah. Like... Alton John would sell out Madison Square Gardens. Yeah. Lady Gaga now would sell out Madison Square Gardens. Mm-hmm. But it's a weird thing where she's kind of seen as an, a, a very new artist in many ways. But then this massive success, who's a household name, on the other hand, it's like, what? what is she? I feel like... Lisa Scott Lee maybe watched this film before doing Totally Scott Lee and thought that this is what happens in the music industry. Like, oh, it could be just like Mariah Carey, you know, just write a random song, a really generic sounding song, throw it out there, sound like Madison Square Garden. And, and then she'd be listed Capital <laughs> next minute. 
it's the weird as well because she we've never had a full performance of a song so we've never really it's the film's not actually established her as a performer so far because we've never had a full fucking performance from her we've never heard any of these songs in full no it's it's so weird um, Billy goes to call Julian as Julian. Oh my god! In a bizarre series of events, <laughs> Billy goes to call Julian as Julian goes to call her, but they both stop themselves. Instead, they both write a song together telepathically. <laughs> Shit, you not? They they're both really sad that yeah. you know the phone call wasn't answered. Both sides. Yeah, and. She genuinely sits down with a piece of paper, starts writing the lyrics, starts singing them, whilst he writes down on his music sheet the music notes, and starts playing piano, and it, the way they edit it, it matches up perfectly. Yeah. It is a miracle. I don't know how they did this telepathically. No. It's... No. Also, what's very confusing is why an artist with two number ones, one of them being a 10-week run number one, and an album at number one, Mm -hmm. and she's just sold out Madison Square Gardens, but she's still sat in her friend's apartment in between two single beds. Yeah. Because she's not afford anywhere to Buy yourself fancy, you know? You know, take your friends with with you. You know, buy somewhere nice. If you're still gonna, if you still want to live with them, get a new apartment. Yeah. If you're this massive success, um, Billy is rehearsing in a dance studio, <laughs> but she stops and she's absolutely fuming. She says she can't hear herself, and she also can't do this shit anymore. No. <laughs> and storms out. Like she didn't really give it much chance. No. <laughs> She goes to Julian's apartment. Apparently, she's still got a key, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, apparently, it's really easy to get into, <laughs> to break into. Um, and she starts playing the song he wrote on the piano and kind of cries, but not really. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, can't figure out if she's crying. She realises that it's the exact same song she wrote. So, uh, because she's so happy with this, uh, she kisses the music sheet. Yes. She's also really pleased to see he has a ticket for her concert. <clears throat> and then she leaves. They miss each other by literally, and I literally mean <laughs> by one second, because of a bed being delivered. There is, there is no way. It, it's like they said to Max Beasley, okay, to make this believable, just look at the ground as you're walking. But he's like got his head down, and then there's like a bed being delivered in between. It was sh- it's stupid. Yeah, and, and cliched. In a bizarre series of events. Yes. Um, Julian is on his way to the concert. Well, he finds the lipstick prints on he the does. music sheet, doesn't he? He does. But he's on his way to the concert. He's like, oh, and uh, <laughs> he hears Timothy call his name. So this is the man you owe a hundred thousand dollars to. <laughs> This is the shady character that broke into your apartment and threatened your girlfriend. This is the person who you beat up and got arrested for <laughs> calling your name. What do you do? You walk over to him. So he walks <laughs> over to him for some reason. Absolutely no reason for him to walk over to Timothy. No. 
Um, he should have been way out there. He should know trouble was brewing and he probably, you know, didn't want to get, you know, um, involved anymore. Because what does happen is what he should have expected to happen <coughs> is Timothy draws a gun and shoots him <laughs> in the chest. But as the shot is fired, the... We don't see any reaction, thankfully. Oh, could you imagine Max Beasley trying to do a death scene after this? Oh, my Lord. Luckily for us, the uh, film just goes to a black screen. It's fucking ridiculous. It's a fucking full-on gangster film, though. <laughs> and it's just... So... So... T- uh, Timothy... Has to not only be a shady music producer... But now he's also a murderer. <laughs> it's, it's so ridiculous. And it's like... Uh, and Billy's crew don't know where, where Billy is and they turn on the news to see that Dice has been killed. And the news reporter's like, there's no suspects. He was just... Uh, his class is manslaughter. Are you fucking kidding me? No he suspects. was arrested for beating a guy yeah. up the other day. Do you not think it might have something to do with that? Which is also really dumb on Timothy's <laughs> part as well. Like, why is Timothy doing that himself? <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> Billy's running late backstage at Madison Square Gardens. So we assume she's running late because she's, you know, had the call or whatever about Julian. But no, because everyone turns to the doorway at once. No, 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 no. No? no. Before this, before Guy this? says, wow, let's just hope she wasn't with him. And then they all turn around and she's oh. just standing there. In the uh, the doorway. <laughs> Trying to show some sort of emotion. So she was just late. So she so she wasn't late because no. of what happened to Julia. She's just late. She's, she's just late. Very unprofessional. Um, so it's a sold out crowd. Yeah, they're all dancing before the music even starts. They're all dancing before the music starts. <laughs> they're all chanting Billy's name. Billy. Billy. <laughs> Billy, she's making her way to the stage with Roxanne and Louise. She is in a full-length gown, mm-hmm. a tight gown, gorgeous, very much not 80s, very, you know, 2001 <laughs> gown. She looks beautiful, stunning. And the dancers start dancing <laughs> for an energetic song. So it's like, what you're expecting is like a Janet Jackson number. Yeah. You know, very dancey, very dance pop, R&B. That's what the dancers look like. But she's in a full-length gown. So I'm like, <laughs> what, what the fuck, what's the intention here? So she's, oh, she gets on the stage, she tells the music to stop and says, everybody out there, don't take anybody for granted because you don't know when you'll lose them and you won't be able to tell them how you really feel about them. Ugh. And then she starts singing Never Too Far, the, uh, the telekinetic song. Telekinetic but the best part song. is she starts singing a song that she hasn't even fucking, as far as we know, she hasn't wrote no, it in full. No, um, She hasn't performed it in full. You know, we just get a snippet of it like every other fucking song. And, you know, it hasn't been recorded. She hasn't sent it around to anyone. No. no one knows this song, right? The band magically know this fucking magic song. 
every note to it, and like the structure, everything. And they, that's the first song we get in full in the entire film. Yeah. How do they fucking know how it goes? Exactly. And when I do, and she's dressed for a ballad. Yeah. Why are the audience like, what the fuck is this? We don't yeah. know what this is. She's, she's not, this is my new single. Yeah, no. She's, she's fucking dressed for a ballad. It's like she knew that, you know, she was going to sing. Oh, it's confusing. And um, when she says, everybody out there, don't take anybody for granted. Like, no, the guy was a dick. <laughs> the guy was a, The guy just didn't... Why did she want him back? didn't redeem himself. No. There was no redemption for him, apart from she suddenly changed her mind on him. Yeah. And wanted to call him. There was no redemption or anything. She is the equivalent. She's the absolute equivalent of those people that slag people off and then when they die they go to their funeral like, oh it was such a lovely man. And yeah, she was saying that when he was alive. The obvious comparison, and this is a spoiler for a star is born, but is a star is born. Yeah. So he mistreated her in a star is born. But it was due to his issues with addiction. He mm-hmm. was addicted to alcohol. He was struggling with mental health. Mm. He was struggling with his career. There was there was there was jealousy there, but he underneath it all, loved her greatly and mm. dearly, and you know was there for her, and she knew that, but he just could not overcome his demons. Yeah, that's not. What happens in this? No. He has his demons, but they're not fully established. He's not a well-rounded character. It's very cliched. Um, they're trying to give him, you know, 20 different fucking characteristics that don't go together. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, the ballad that she sings, I've described as flaccid. Because <laughs> I thought it was just... Uh, a perfect way to describe all the ballads in this. Yeah. Flaccid. It's boring. It's cliche. I keep saying cliche, but it's such a fucking cliched film. It, me saying cliche is cliched now. Um, but it's cliche. It's r- really boring, forgettable. It's mm. such a shame. It really is. Because Mariah Carey sings beautifully. Yeah. But it's wasted. Um, she finishes the song and the lights go down. She's then backstage. All those people that paid yeah. all that fucking yeah. money to go to see her at yeah. Madison Square Garden. She tur- she stops playing her hit single yeah. that was number one for ten weeks. Ten weeks. So she could perform a song that hasn't even been finished yet and then just walks off the fucking stage. Yeah. You'd be fuming. Well, that's the thing. It cuts to her backstage in the same dress and there's a... A letter from Julian and a rose. <laughs> Somehow. Somehow. He fucking congratulates her on how well the Madison Square Garden gig went. You're dead. Yeah. You're fucking dead. How are you congratulating her on this? He never saw he never saw her before. No. And then it gets even weirder. <sighs> he says he loves her and that he has found her mother because social services Gave him all of the fucking details. Yeah. They called him. So seemingly that was the number they still had for her. Called him. 
Now, if he explained they weren't together again, uh, together again, if they weren't together at the time, then they really shouldn't have given them, you know, all this information. As someone who works They should close... have asked him for her number, direct number. Yeah. As someone who works close with social care, I could tell you right now that this guy, if he was a boyfriend, if he wasn't a boyfriend, they would not give him any fucking information. No. That is bullshit. Not even close. They would have to speak to her. Yeah. But it says, oh, there was a call. Um, they said that your mother is now clean and sober and she's living in Maryland. <laughs> so, it's just, fucking awful really awful because number one it's it's impossible they would not have given that information to him over the phone number two this was really important to her why would he give it to her in a letter <laughs> why wouldn't he just call her up and say oh my god I've just had the call they said that your mother is alive She's well, she's clean and sober, and she's in Maryland. I just wanted you to know, I know we're not on the best of terms, but I needed you to know this, so I called you straight away. No, he leaves it in a letter with a rose. So, <laughs> she then gets in a limo, which drives all the way to Maryland, <laughs> as another flaccid ballad plays. She's still in the same dress. So this was so important to her that she went straight away. She didn't get changed. She was like, I'm going to Maryland. You know, I need to see my mother. Um, her mother le exits her home and they stare at each other for a very long time. <laughs> her mother looks the exact same exact as she did in the same, 70s. Exact same. You know, for someone who loved a drink... She's aged exceptionally well. <laughs> they then cry and they hug it out without saying a single word to each other. <laughs> as the ballad ends on one long high note. The credits roll as another fucking ballad plays. Lead the way, the sex song. Lead the way. Um, Gary knows, but I put, I'm not sure which one, as they're so bland and generic, I can't tell the difference. <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's... That final scene, it genuinely felt like the writer was like, oh shit, the mother storyline, we forgot exactly. to put, we forgot to put an to it, quickly, write something. Absolutely Anything. ridiculous. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. And the question I have is, why did her mum not try to get in contact with her? <laughs> like, the whole thing at the beginning was, oh, my God, they're taking, you know, they're t making me give you up. I'm I'm going to get better. And when I get better, I'll come and see you. And we can be back together. I love you. This, that and the other. And it was believable. It was sincere. Mm-hmm. So then the letter's like, yeah, she's in Maryland. She's been clean and sober for a long time now. Why didn't she try to get in touch? Why didn't she try and trace Billy? Exactly. Because, and that's not dealt with because they just stare at each other weirdly. Yeah. Hug and then cry at the end. That's one thing that Crossroads did, you know, wow. better. Is because Kim... Yeah, but the thing is, she she was at Kim Cattrall's door. They had a little conversation. And at least Kim Cattrall was like, 
No, I, I don't. I don't want a relationship. No, that's why I didn't call. Why I didn't try to find you is because I don't want you in my life. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, fucking hell. That's uh, that's glitter. That is fucking glitter. That is, you cannot polish a turd, <laughs> and that's shit. Or is it? Is there some glitter? Is there some phrase about glitter and shit and whatever? Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's not good. Um, it's not even so bad, it's good. It's just fucking awful. <laughs> it's, it really, it genuinely is. Really, really bad. It's so lazy, but so convoluted at the same time, and so cliched, and... It's just... Yeah. The, the writing is abysmal. It really... And I hate to go so hard on, on these films... It does make me feel bad because I, I ain't there walking children in nature. I'm not there making films. You know, I don't know what it takes to make a film. But I've watched yeah. a lot. <laughs> not just the filmmakers of this film. I've spent a lot of money <laughs> watching films. And I expect something from for my money's worth. Even if it was £2.50 off eBay. I expect something for my money. And this was abysmal. Really, just really bad. Really bad. Mariah Carey, as a singer, as a performing artist, deserved better. Yeah. Because even the songs are fucking abysmal. <laughs> it's true. It, it really is. I'm, I'm sorry. There's the, yeah, and there's I love Mariah Carey. I love so many of her songs. Um, I, I wish they would have just, like, went through a back catalogue. Can, can we get this in the film? Mm-hmm. We just why can't we pretend it's a you know as if it's Mariah Carey you know doing all this why why the weird generic you know ballads yeah and you know random eighties songs I mean there was absolutely no reason why this was set in the eighties no reason whatsoever it was not eighties um, it didn't feel like the eighties no effort was put into it to make it feel like the 80s so it was completely pointless yeah but that is glitter so uh, <laughs> rant over i do not recommend don't watch no if you've already seen it talk to us about it on social media we're horror court trash over on facebook and instagram horror court trash on twitter i'm dead at gaz 92 on letterboxd gazmo 205 on instagram and gas cruise 92 on twitter I'm Chris Barker823 on Letterboxd, Twitter, and um, Instagram. If you listen on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and like, and follow, and everything else. Wow, we have a busy schedule coming up. So, Friday is our I Saw What You Did Original Versus Remake episode. Yes. Tuesday next week is uh, Hallinger. Hellinger. As a tie-in with Thursday's screening of Hellraiser at the yes. Chapter Picture House in Manchester. Again, tickets are £7.50 and available from all our social medias. The link's in our bio. Uh, there will now be a Dead by Daylight gaming session before the film and a trailer reel as well uh, with other films from 1987. So, come along. Yes. Uh, and if you're wondering good. why Hellinger uh, to tie-in with Hellraiser, because we've already done Hellraiser, so... You can have the rip-off instead. Yes. And on Friday next week, we are kicking off Halloween season with Halloween 1 and 2. Because, as you may know, as we spoke about now for two years, we're finally doing it. 
all of October is dedicated to Michael Myers through the years and we will be doing multiple films per episode, including this year's Halloween Kills. Yeah. So next week, Friday, Halloween 1 and 2. Do not watch. I do not recommend. No, I don't. (laughs) I fully really recommend watching. Yeah, and they're on Netflix as well soon, so no excuse. Yeah, that's cool. Yes. Yeah, so I'm very excited to be discussing what I believe is the greatest film ever made on the podcast. So, yes. But we've already done Showgirls. Wow. We, until then, we'll see you on Friday. Bye.